Welcome to 27 Speaks, a weekly podcast with the staff of the Express News Group who share their insights into the latest stories making news on the East End of Long Island. 27 Speaks is sponsored by the law firm of Toomey, Latham, Shea, Kelly, Dubin, and Corderaro. Strong advocacy and attentive counsel. Be well advised. SuffolkLaw.com. And we are recording. Yes, we are recording. You know what? It's raining. Can you imagine? No. It's been going on for like, what, five weeks now? <laughs> it just seems that way. It's monsoon yeah. season. Yeah. <laughs> yes. We need the rain, though. I don't know about you, but our yard was kind of dry. It's getting yeah, very it was- lush now. Yeah. I wish we got this rain in July instead of now. It's now's when it's supposed to be sunny and dry. Yeah, no such luck. Fishing's good though, Mike. Just let you know. Yeah. Apparently, so we're back. That was Bill Sutton. You heard at the top there. Hey, Bill. Hey, Annette. I'm Bill Sutton. I'm the managing editor of the Express News Group. Also here today is Joe Shaw. Hi, Joe. Hey, Annette. I'm Joe Shaw. I'm the executive editor of the Express News Group. A penguins jersey you're wearing today it is because i'm freezing i i was telling bill earlier it's not cold in my house but i'm just my hands are like blocks of ice and i had to just layer up so yeah that's what i'm wearing you prepare as covid there joe yeah i got my shot today so the last the last night i got yeah don't do that um, and I'm Annette Hinkle, and I'm the Arts and Living Editor of the Express News Group. And also joining us is Features Editor, Michelle Trowering. Hi, Michelle. Oh, that's me. Hi, Annette. Hi. I'm Michelle Trowering. <laughs> that is you, isn't it? Yeah. And like you said, I'm the Features Editor of the Express News Group. How's your weather? Oh, it's great. Yeah, I think I have what y'all are supposed to. So it's very sunny and dry here in Colorado. Yeah, it's a good thing. It's a good thing when the snow sets in. Um, also have Steve, Steve Coates with us. Hi, Steve. Good afternoon. So where are you, Steve? I'm in the Sag Harbor office. Where are you? I chased Michael right out by mistake. I didn't yeah. realize we couldn't have two people in the same office. <laughs> yeah, Mike Wright had to set, set, go up the street a bit to be on this podcast. So uh, I can't say exactly where Mike is, but it looks very relaxing. Hi, Mike. <laughs> He's in a secure location. Yeah, exactly. I'm sitting on a on two yoga mats stacked on top of each other in a in an apartment building gym. <laughs> the things we do. <laughs> That's right. We work everywhere. So, so this is kind of a good a good segue into what we're talking about, which is pretty much everywhere, and the idea of people who have grown up on the east end of Long Island and have gone on to um, bigger and better things usually outside of the area. So um, I know this is something that we talked about for a while, but who really came up with this idea and how did we make this happen? Joe, I think this is, this was always your thing, wasn't it? No, this was my idea. Yeah. Mike Wright. Yeah. I think it's more Mike Wright's idea. I think it's a great idea though, because so many people, you know, come through this region, they either start here or they live here for an extended period, then move on and, and do amazing things. And it, you know, I think one of the things about it is we have stories like that pop up all the time. Like, hey, this person's doing this in Idaho. And it's like, yeah, well, they don't live here anymore. So, but, but you know, yeah. people really care about, you know, they, people know these people and it's kind of cool to catch up with them. So Mike had actually 
brought us the first one and uh, the second one came immediately after to Steve and uh, we decided to just make it a recurring thing. I think it's a neat thing to just keep going back to and gives us a reason to go look for those stories. So who was our first one? In print, it was mine. Um, yeah. yeah, it was it was Ellen Frankman. Um, and she had a little bit of a, mm-hmm. a newsy-ish hook. Um, she's part of the podcast Stolen. And earlier this year, they won the, um, the Pulitzer, uh, followed very quickly by a Peabody Award in their podcast and radio category, which was a massive, massive deal. So she's originally from Rumsenberg. Yeah. She was our intern at the Sag Harbor Express years ago. Ellen was great. She kind of did my job so I could like go live in Europe for a month. I remember she was great. <laughs> Loved having her around. So where does she live now? She's in New Jersey. Is she? Okay. Good. Which exit? So that was- <laughs> oh. <laughs> so she lives on Long Island. I will not disclose on a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> the Shills was the first to, to run, but not the first to be written. I think it was probably the second or third to be written, but uh, it was just uh, very timely. So we, we launched the series with her piece. So, um, so Mike, talk about the piece that you wrote for the series. Well, yeah. So, so actually, you know, the, the, the one that gave me the idea, well, the idea for this came to me because I met a guy who I knew years and years ago who was from East Hampton, and uh, he was a um, a diver on the NYPD dive team, which is one of the most notoriously dangerous and disgusting jobs on the planet. Um, and interestingly enough, he started uh, right after 9-11, and so one of the first things that he did was that those guys were going around checking the... Um, you know, the footings of bridges and stuff for explosives and all that. But, you know, that job, that job entails finding dead bodies hung up under piers and, you know, lots of really dangerous work um, checking on the, uh, uh, you know, the supports, uh, the structural safety of the docks and stuff like that along the waterfront where the, you know, the New York City, East River and Hudson River have really strong currents and there's some really famously dangerous water. So it's a, it was such a crazy job. And when I ran into him a few years ago, he said, Oh yeah, you should come in. I'll give you a whole tour. And I was just like, wow, what a great story that would be. And then shortly after that, um, Ed Michaels, who was the head of the Marine patrol in East Hampton said, mentioned to me that, you know, his son was a, was a veterinarian at a zoo in Ohio and poof, I was like, Oh, well, there you go. We got to do a story about people that have, left from around here and done, you know, are doing cool things in other places. And then, of course, by the time we got around to doing it, my friend on the NYPD had retired and moved back to East Hampton. <laughs> so, so, took a little so, bit too yeah, long on that yeah, story. Never, huh? never wait on stories about uh, people turning 100 or, uh, or, or working in, uh, in a police department where they can retire after 20 years at age 47. Um, so, uh, so anyway, yeah, that's, that, that's how it started. And I kind of, I was kind of like compiling, we had talked about it for years and I was sort of compiling people trying to think of others. There was a guy that I wrote about 20 years ago, who's a big shot in, you know, was at sort of the cutting edge of reality television, uh, television producing and he's in LA. So I, I, I kind of like put him on the list and some other folks and, 
Um, so yeah, the one the one that I've done so far is Dennis Michaels, who is the uh, veterinarian at the Toledo Zoo, uh, which you know that also is just a fascinating job. And you know he of course uh, you know being a being an advanced veterinarian like that, he's been all over. He worked on uh, he worked on Plum Island. Uh, as a vet in the Animal Disease Research Center for two years, he worked at the Bronx Zoo. He worked down in Houston. He's he's done all sorts of really wild stuff. And you know, we had a photo of him that ran with the profile this week of him working on a Galapagos turtle, you know, a tortoise, I should say. Uh, so yeah, he said that you know, working at zoos is wonderful because there's so much crazy variety in the. Uh, in the number of animals that he had a great photo on his Instagram that he couldn't find the original of where he was, um, he was operating on a uh, anesthetized horse. So if you picture a horse on a hospital table on its back, unconscious with its legs up in the air, like a dead bug, you know, and its head hanging off the table and its mouth open because they have like a breathing tube down its neck, you know? So it's like, uh, just like you would do for a human, but when it's a, a, you know, 1200 pound horse or however much they weigh, the photo was hilarious, but we, we, he just couldn't find the original photo of it. So, I mean, it's, uh, and he's, you know, he's a super nice guy. And, you know, he said his, uh, his pain, he's, he's just about finished with um, sort of the last step of uh, veterinary training where he's going to have a specialty and he'll probably move on from the Toledo Zoo. And he said, you know, his parents would love him to move back to, to the New York area. But um, but yeah, zoo, zoo work really uh, as a vet can really take you uh, take you to strange places and put you in some odd situations if you're an animal lover. So, Steve, you probably got the distance award for your topic, I'm thinking, at this point, right? Yeah, I guess um, I guess I did have the, the the so far the distance award because I interviewed Brisha Hemby. And it's funny because it's, it's both the distance award and probably the closest award because Brisha grew up 200 yards from my house in Bridgehampton. Wow. <laughs> um, so we knew her as a, you know, as a kid growing up and um yeah, there's a she, she's one of two children um and it, it is a sad story both of her parents died when when she and her sister brandy were young adults and um brisha who had always um liked to bake decided that there was no time like the present to move to paris and uh, uh go to the uh, cordon bleu um, cooking school where she obtained a pastry diploma Hmm. And um, that's not like a place where you just, you know, sign up for classes. So she had to get in, which was difficult, of course. And she knew a little bit about Paris because her previous job, which was also uh, of interest, uh, she was like a makeup artist and traveled with. I, I know she she toured with like the Jonas Brothers and uh, Harry Connick Jr. Wow. as well, did makeup for these these performances. And uh, but so but she had always wanted to to bake, and she gets this this diploma, and it's just a story of someone who you know latched on and figured out a way to get you know a a, a you know a, a a student visa, then a work visa. Now she's got an entrepreneur's visa, which I'd never heard of before. But she's trying to you know stay permanently in Paris, where she has opened up a small studio that makes. Um, 
I don't want to use the term curated or bespoke, but she makes like really sweet, <laughs> no pun intended, um, uh, wedding cakes, really cool wedding cakes, artistic wedding cakes, uh, which, you know, which are ordered. And, you know, she's got this little gig going. It's incredible. Yeah, I don't think it's easy to live in in France because I think that the bureaucracy is huge in terms of yeah. visas and permits and I mean, the fact that she was able to open up her own business in Paris as an American, I think, is kind of a, a huge um, undertaking. I have to say, I've never met Brescia, Steve. Uh, but one of the things that I thought was cool in your story, which might not be something that people would immediately think of as cool, but I like that when you asked her, you know, hey, you know, did you like, would you like to come back to Bridgehampton? Do you miss? She was really honest. She basically said, no, not really. She kind of has some bad memories about, you know, it seems to me that, that some of the tragedies that happened happened when she lived here. And I, I, I like that honest answer. I mean, I think that's, that really tells me that, that you got an honest interview with her that, that, um, and, and it's great, you know, she's what she's doing why would she come back? Heck, she's yeah. she's living her dream. And I, I I think I mean I think she had many good memories. She talked about how fun it was like it would leave home on her bikes in the morning in the summer and come back at dinner time. You know, and she talked about oh you know going to pick strawberries and all these things that I mean, all these places have changed. I mean, um, I mean I have I have three children and two of whom do not live here and two of whom will not return here, you know, and one is living here and probably will leave at some point unless, you know, unless we give her our I mean, house, you know. It's the um, reality. And, and I, you know, I think that's one of the unspoken things about this series is that not everybody stays indefinitely and yeah. um, they go on and have great lives in other places too. And, and the house that she grew up in has been raised and there's now a great big thing going up in its place, you know, so that's another question. There's no home. There's no home to go yeah, home it was, to. It was just. It was yeah, just right. torn down, right? And, um, yeah. Yeah. No, I think that that's you know, as somebody who just had a daughter graduate from college, I don't see her coming back here. I mean, that's the sad part about living here. There's not a lot of uh, opportunity for for kids to come back here and pursue their their goal or afford to be able you know be able to afford to live here unless they're living in your. There's house, a, but there's another. Know. There's another thread to it though too. It's not just people who have who have moved away. I mean, the people that, that we're selecting for these series have gone on to, to, um, to lead kind of extraordinary, um, you know, lives and, and careers. And, and I'm wondering what, what, what the, 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 the unifying thing is that, you know, that, how does that happen? I mean, it's not just people, you know, that, that can't afford to live here. It's people who go on to follow their dreams and, um, you know, and and open a, a bakery in Paris or, you know, or work for the the Toledo Zoo and the Bronx Zoo and, you know, and, and all that. I'm just wondering what the common theme is there. And is, is there something common to these people that, that allows them to do that? Local support comes from the law firm of Toomey, Latham, Shea, Kelly, Dubin, and Corderaro. In these trying times, working full-time for their clients and the public interest, providing strong advocacy and attentive counsel. Be well advised. SuffolkLaw.com 
27 Speaks is brought to you by Sag Harbor Books and Southampton Books, independent bookstores located in the villages at 7 Main Street in Sag Harbor and 16 Hampton Road in Southampton. They buy books, collections, libraries, individual titles. Very easy process. They handle everything. Do you have books to sell? Call or email today or visit SouthamptonSagHarborBooks.com. Now hiring booksellers at both locations, including office positions. I think that's what, you know, I always thought was interesting about it. Just, you know, I mean, obviously, Sean working for the for the dive team in the city, you know, that seemed, that's not too much of a reach, although, you know, the fact that he the fact that he was a certified scuba diver from when he was on the dive team in the fire department out here. And, uh, you know, so that landed him in that job. But, you know, people people follow so many different paths to everything in life. And it's it, I think it's fascinating to see because people do, you know, it may be just a bunch of people that you used to know. But to then, you know, once they leave here, you often, you know, pre Facebook, obviously, it was more difficult. Now it's easier. But to, to really follow the, you know, the various threads of life that people uh that people go down to land on their uh, to land where they are is is a sort of a an interesting thing to read about. I think um, you know when you've lost track of somebody and be like, oh, that so that's where that person is. Now isn't that interesting that they lived here or there or whatever? And you know, it's uh, so some of that probably used to be uh, used to be very novel. And now with Facebook, you know, you and Instagram, you you follow every moment of everybody's life, no matter where they are. But it's, uh, you know, I, I think I think it's they're they're interesting, interesting stories for for folks um, just to, you know, we have people out here now that didn't grow up here. And, you know, to see those kind of stories is is uh, sort of refreshing for them also. Michelle, I, one of the things that's notable, I thought, about your story about Ellen Frankman, um, who won the Peabody Award, and she, and she won a Pulitzer, right, the, uh, for her podcast, Stolen, Surviving St. Michael's. I think it's very cool that Helen, Ellen Frankman worked at the Sag Harbor Express. If you remember, Sarah Koenig, who created Serial, which was one of the probably the first sort of viral podcast that happened came out of the East Hampton star. So there's two women who were integral in creating podcasts. This is a form of journalism, a form of communication that kind of didn't exist 10 years ago. And two of the, the primary people who were doing it, both started out in this region. I think that's amazing. And I think, I think it's says something about the journalism community here too. Um, I think that it breeds that kind of talent, but I think it's, I, I'm, I'm very proud of the fact that the East end has produced these two remarkable women who have made a mark in a brand new kind of journalism. And I, I just think that's awesome. And, and Ellen Frankman, um, has the more recent success. Uh, I'm not sure her name is as well known as Sarah Koenig because Sarah was one of the first, but I thought it was great that we were able to give Ellen her uh, moment in the sun for that too, because that's a, a remarkable thing to win. Uh, the Pulitzers were just, they just added a podcasting 
category, I believe, correct? That's that's relatively new. That's relatively new. And it's new for the Peabody's too. And I mean, it was it was cute. Like Ellen said, she grew up reading the Southampton Press um, and Newsday, of course, uh, and really discovered her love of journalism in college and credits the East End for her roots in journalism. Mm. You know, like there's just, I think we can all agree, like there's so much that we learn out in the fields with a newspaper that you just don't learn in journalism school. Mm -hmm. And that was her experience here too. And, you know, from here she went on to radio and then to podcast, but this was really her origin story. And like, how neat is that? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was, one, it was, I loved that story for that reason. It, I frankly wasn't aware of, of Ellen's background. Um, the Sag Harbor Express wasn't one of our papers then, so I didn't know her, uh, but I uh, just think it's awesome. It's just, you feel like you want to put an arm around them and just be like, yeah, they're part of the, part of the family too, you know, of, of all of us out here. They just grow up and leave us so fast. This is Catherine Manu, and I'm the editor of the Sag Harbor Express and co-publisher with my husband, Gavin, of the Express News Group. Local community news matters more than ever, with misinformation spreading constantly across the internet. We live in the communities we cover. We are your neighbors, your friends, your family. We tell the good stories and, unfortunately, the bad. We focus on your triumphs and losses. But we can't do this without our subscribers. To subscribe, please visit 27east.com slash subscribe. And thank you for your support. I have to say, too, that um, Steve's story about Brisha Hemby uh, led to one of my favorite anecdotes of all time because it came up uh, the week it came up. And it's like, oh, he's going to do this story. Mike Wright was in Paris. And I said, hey, you have any interest in taking a photograph? And he was like, and of course, Mike Wright's like, sure, absolutely. I'll go. And he did, and he went and talked to me. Yeah, I was I was there in like 10 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't I didn't even know I didn't even know she existed or who she was, even though I've known you know some of her cousins for a long time. And uh, he's like, oh, you know, we were just talking about this girl the other day. Uh, could you swing by and take a photo? And I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm going to walk by there in a few minutes. And I just wandered into the store and said, hi, I'm Mike from New York. Because he just <laughs> happened to be in, in, in Paris at the time as well. I mean, right. I was right. I was in Paris with my in-laws. <laughs> I, I, it's one of my great small world moments of all time. And my only thing was I, I had to go to I had to go to the publishers and say, I have no idea what kind of mileage statement we're going to get from Mike Wright on taking this photo. So be prepared for that. <laughs> so was Brisha excited that we did a story on her, that you did a story? Oh yeah. She was, she was, very, she was a, a marvelous interview and she was very happy with the story. And uh, I mean, she met Michael Wright. Uh, she met my sister-in-law and two of my nieces who, who were in Paris earlier this or in, in September who stopped in <laughs> Um, she's probably going to at some point have to like paper the the windows so people can't see her at work. I got to say her, her bakery is absolutely in a little slice of heaven. It is the most gorgeous little quiet secret alleyway off of like a busy drag in, in Le Marais in Paris. And it just, boy, I mean, Emma and I walked up and down that alley for like 20 minutes, even though there's no actual stores there. It's all, wholesalers uh 
you know, sort of manufacturers' offices, but you know, businesses like hers, basically. But uh, it is just, it's just a heavenly little peaceful tree-lined alleyway. It's really mm-hmm. a great place to work. I'll bet. And, you know, when I walked in, she was standing there, you know, just by happenstance. Of course, I was walking over there then, but there she was in her chef's coat, making the making one of these beautiful wedding cakes. And uh, yeah, it was a neat little place. Well, yeah, that's what she said. She was doing American style cakes. They really are impressive. Those don't look like American style cakes to me. I haven't tasted one, so I can't, you know, I can't tell you. But um, they're definitely not, you know, sheet cakes, you know. But uh, yeah, the frostings look like almost look like they're made of acrylic oh, wow. or something. It's like they're they look like artwork rather than edibles. <laughs> And I guess that those aren't the kind of cakes that the the French normally do. Does she kind of have a corner on the more American style cakes? Is that? Yeah, they're very. It's very ornate, uh, decorative uh, uh, exteriors, and like she said, mostly mostly weddings and and birthday parties. But she's clearly gained a a, a significant sort of word of mouth uh, following from from folks because she was she was busy when I was there. Kind of like cake, cake boss cakes, right? Yeah, right, exactly. Yeah, very yeah. ornate. I think there's a huge expat community in Paris too that, you know, word of mouth, like just just um catering to Americans living in Paris would probably keep her busy. Well and, and Americans who, you know, destination weddings. Mm-hmm. Right. Which, I, mean, I, I was not aware that, you know, Paris was, believe it or not, was a place for destination weddings, but it seems stands to reason, you know. Yeah. So Michelle, are you sort of the keeper of the list of our where are they now series i know that we've had some email exchanges about i am the i am the keeper of the spreadsheet <laughs> yes i am no spoilers i am not giving a single spoiler <laughs> i'm just wondering how it's working like now that we've got the first we so we've done what three or four of these so far we've done three right? yeah three all right we'll do three so now that we've got three in in the bag is it is are the ideas coming more quickly are the are the suggestions rolling in for who might be the next topic we're still looking for suggestions from readers yeah we we okay. want we want those names we want those stories for sure but we do have a few in the hopper they're coming yeah. along we're coming along yeah our our goal i think is sort of one a month um roughly although we don't want to keep it to that close of a schedule but we're we're thinking every few weeks in between uh and we hope to have i think we have a couple ready to go at any given time so we're stocked up a little bit ahead of time so mm-hmm. it's you know it's just an it's another way to tell stories that i think people here would care about and um i think because we're broadening it out it's you can tell some really cool stories something really different yeah and like you said we've never you know a lot of times people will write and say oh hey i used to live there and i'm now doing this somewhere else and it was always like oh we can't really do anything on you now that you're not here anymore so this kind of gives you the chance to say well hey now we can consider doing something on you even though you're thousands of miles away that was always kind of the answer and, and it, it just kind of got to the point where it's like well why wouldn't we i mean people care i mean people know these people they've they yeah. grew up with these people or they lived with these people for years and um you know i'm thinking you know this this doesn't apply because he's back but a guy like john betts who um, runs shippies in uh, Southampton Village now. I mean, he went away. We did a story about him. Um, he went away and became 
one of the the top officials for McDonald's in Canada, right? Did you write that story, Michelle? I did. Was yeah. that that was your that was your story? Yeah. I mean, I thought it was just a, it was like holy holy smokes! I had no idea. Um, here's a guy who started out working at the Southampton McDonald's, right? And he ended up as like the number two guy or something in Canada. Oh, no, he's the he was the CEO of. McDonald's oh, he was the Canada. CEO. Okay. Yep, top dog. I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, he was the top was dog the number in one guy. Yeah. And- big cheese. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he was the Big Mac. Up in um, that's just amazing to me, and and in the oh, in the whole small world thing, you know, I just I'm I'm always sort of amazed by that. The the and this area probably more so than others. There's so many connections all over the world. I, you know, I have to I have to say, um, I'm getting ready to go to Paris. And looking forward to meeting Brescia when we go. We're going to stop in to her shop and say hello. But I was at an event this past week, and I was talking with someone who mentioned I was going to Paris. And they said, oh, that's, that's great. And, and they own a bookstore. And I said, oh, you own a bookstore? Well, Shakespeare and Company, and I was going to try and impress them by saying, you know, we're going to go to Shakespeare and Company, which is the famous bookstore in Paris. And he said, oh, that's one of our affiliates. <laughs> his, his company, like, owns Shakespeare. And I'm like, oh, huh. okay. Yeah. Well, if you, like, you launch win. into an Othello, yes, you, you win that it's one. A, it's, a, it's a thoroughly <laughs> underwhelming bookstore. <laughs> well, but the history of it is enough. Yeah. But, but Mike, the, the trick here is I know. It's like a souvenir shop now. <laughs> I know the original address of of. Shakespeare and Company, where it was when they published Ulysses, which is about three blocks away. Oh, cool. So that I'll go, but it's not, it's something else now. So it's not, yeah. anyway, yeah. I just love the, the interconnectedness. That's very cool. And that's part of what I think this is celebrating. So as far as this series goes, are we, are we being strict about like the people that we're following have to have been born and raised um, on the East End? Or is there any sort of maybe they had to have gone to, high school or elementary yeah. school here are there any we're not big on rules okay yeah. good to know i would have what do you think michelle i mean we have we haven't said i don't know that we have a parameters mike what do you think well i i i, I said that you have to at the very least have graduated from a local high school. Oh, there you go. Okay. I'm I'm not even I'm not even so sure that that should should be a be that broad of a pool but I would I would allow that. Being somebody who didn't grow up out here but graduated from a local high school, uh, I'm not sure that me moving somewhere else and becoming uh, becoming somebody famous would would qualify it. But perhaps. I guess it depends on how desperate we are to find people. To right, learn. exactly. Care, careful, because that's a that's a slippery slope, and we'll be writing stories about somebody who who summered here, exactly. uh, you know, when they were a kid, and then went off to be something cool. You know, somebody who once stepped off the jitney for 20 minutes to get a latte. Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. But if they did something really cool, maybe. Maybe. Yeah, Joe Shaw will write a story about anything. You see that in some newspapers uh, uh, when it comes to obituaries. People who spent three months a year here for 20 years are suddenly, you know, listed. Yeah, that's, as- you know, the, the, you, you have always seen that here is that, is that you know, Part-time second homeowners do want their obituaries run in the papers out here, which, you know, whatever the reason for that is, is, Mm -hmm. is what it is. 
that also broadens probably the probably just because the New York Times wasn't going to run a photo. <laughs> <laughs> it broadens the pool too because it means more people identify as being connected to to the area. So, so we're um so we're pretty much done for the next few weeks as far as uh, this series. Do we have another one? Uh... No, we got another one ready to go. It's going to probably be, and also I think Michelle, we talked about the fact that our vision for this is that they'll appear in different sections of the paper. As a matter of fact, I think one of the next ones coming up uh, would be in the sports section, right? Isn't that the plan? It will be in sports. Yeah. That is the plan. So the whole, where are they now thing will certainly work for arts and living because I think, uh, and, and I think quite frankly, arts and living has done this over the years where, where you guys have kept tabs on people who've moved on and had success in other places, but now we have a, a marquee to put them under. And, you know, I think it could well turn out that residents, you know, there's architects, uh-huh. folks that, that start out here and move on. I, I think it's, I think it's applicable to, to all over the, all over the paper. Oh, I just thought of another one. Aha. <laughs> Aha. You you saying that it was a eureka moment. I got I got a good I one. I triggered you. See, that's the thing. <laughs> you can tell us and I'll beep out the um name. Uh, that's great. No, 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 not gonna do that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I think we've still got several, several good ones out there. And I I hope that um but we will hear from some folks that that have ideas. It's, I feel like every time I talk to somebody and mention to them, oh, do you have any ideas? They always have like five or six ideas, which, you know, some of them don't necessarily fall into the into the categories that I would that I would uh, the requirements that I would apply to it. But uh, I, I've got a couple of a couple of uh, down the roaders kicking around that people have suggested to me already. So anybody listening to this, you know, my cell phone number, just text me a name. <laughs> Absolutely. Or send one of us an email. Um, I'm Joe Shaw at expressnewsgroup.com. Everybody knows my email address. It's no big deal. Uh, and I answer emails. And when we get those suggestions, we use them. And as Michelle had said, we're actively asking for people. Yeah, we want to hear from you if you've got ideas. Twenty Seven Speaks is sponsored by the law firm of Toomey, Latham, Shea, Kelly, Dubin, and Corderaro. Strong advocacy and attentive counsel. Be well advised. SuffolkLaw.com. Thank you for listening. Join us again next week to hear what's news on the East End. Our interlude flute music is by Allison O'Reilly. Our opening and closing theme music is Boysdale Blues, written and performed by the incomparable Judy Carmichael. Listen to Judy's weekly show, Jazz Inspired, airing on an NPR station near you, or go to jazzinspired.com. 27 Speaks is a weekly podcast produced by the Express News Group, which includes the Southampton Press, the East Hampton Press, the Sag Harbor Express, 27east.com, and sagharborexpress.com Find us on the websites or subscribe through Apple Podcasts.